All right, well, welcome to today's episode and part five. Is that right? Part five of my review of the Gospel Coalition's good faith debate on whether or not Christian parents should be sending their children to the public school. I think this is part five. Yes, because the last one was part four. So thank you very much. Last time I posted and uploaded was about a month ago. So thank you for having patience with me. It was the end of the school year, and that took priority over anything else, YouTube, podcast, or otherwise. Finishing grades, report card comments. I teach Rhetoric 1 at the school that I teach at, and a couple of years ago, I instituted at the behest of my headmaster a junior thesis program, and that involves a lot of writing and rewriting and editing and drafting and things of that sort on the part of the students, but that also puts a lot of work on my plate as well. Work I enjoy. I'm actually one of those weirdos who enjoys editing and revising essays and written work because I enjoy helping students become better writers. I love writing. So when you love writing, you like to do weird things like edit essays like I do. Now, it can become taxing at times, but nonetheless, I enjoy it. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're like, dude, I don't care about your personal life, just get to the Gospel Coalition. I'll timestamp this so you can skip through any of the bits of this that you find boring, but working on that, and that also involves a, a panel, panelists for each of the students, and a presentation in defense that had to set up a location and times and coordinate that with panelists and things like that, so it's quite an ordeal, but it's worth it. It's, a, it's enjoyable for me, and I'm not sure if the students consider it enjoyable, but it's good practice for them to be able to research a topic and an idea, formulate it into a thesis, defend that thesis in a written work, in an oral presentation and then in a defense where they have to field questions from myself and panelists defend certain aspects of their paper and the research that they have done. So it's just a good life skill to, to build and to learn. And in an immediate short-term practical perspective, it prepares them for their senior thesis, which is the same thing, just a much larger project that encompasses their entire senior year as opposed to the junior thesis, which right now comprises a, a couple to a few months of the year. And then there was the final week of school, and the final week of school involves not only getting all the grades and comments in, but various award ceremonies, academic awards, athletic awards, and then a couple of days when the official last day of school was over for us teachers to go back and fill out curriculum needs and clean out our rooms and do any sort of last end of the year things that we need to do that we ne neglected to do or just certain end of the year duties, feedback forms, and did we meet our start of the year goals and things like that. And then there was, of course, graduation, and that was this last Friday. So now I'm done. I'm officially done. I feel like today, which is Monday, May 20, what is today? The 22nd? Let me look at my little calendar here. Yes, Monday, May 22nd. I feel like today's really my first day of summer break. And I've been enjoying it so far. And what better way to spend the first day of my summer break than to upload a video to YouTube and a podcast as well. That just sounds like a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about the Gospel Coalition. So speaking of, let uh, since it's been a, a month, let's recap quickly part four. So in part four, we were continuing the Gospel Coalition's public school debate, covered a wide range of topics that included the excellence of dogmatism, my words, uh, the wisdom of protecting children from pagan influences, the idol of pluralism, and the cost issues of sending children to private Christian schools or homeschooling them in lieu of sending them to the free, not really free, it's paid for mostly, I think, by 
property taxes, but the free government education. So for the for the dogmatic side of things, I think it was Professor Pennington who was talking about not wanting to be too dogmatic, and I took the opposite stance from Professor Pennington that we should be dogmatic when it comes to where we send our kids to school and the kind of education we give them and being dogmatic and pointing out that there are real dangers involved when it comes to sending your kids to the public school and that their spiritual lives are at stake with things like that and we should be dogmatic about sending our children to a private Christian school or homeschooling them in order to ensure that they do not have the negative pagan public influence. Speaking of the negative public pagan influence, one of the things that Jen Wilkins said was that she wanted her children to be exposed to a diversity of teachers from a diversity of backgrounds, which is, a, a as I stated, I think either in the video itself or in the description of the video, that it was a mind-numbingly unbiblical point, one of a couple mind-numbingly unbiblical points that Jen makes, the other one being that she doesn't want the public schools Christianized because, again, she values pluralism and a diversity of worldviews influencing her children when this is a stage in their development where, well, generally all people should be getting good, positive Christian influences regularly into their life, but especially children who are spiritually, who are largely spiritually immature, whose brains are still developing, who are far more likely to be influenced and converted by their peers than to influence and convert their peers, especially their public school peers. And then one of the issues that was brought up of either private Christian schooling or homeschooling children was the cost of it. And so I talked about looking at people's budgets. What do you spend your money on? How much money you're spending each month on Starbucks or eating out or fill in the blank hobby, entertainment, excessive food costs that you have that could be going towards a private Christian education for your children or the ability to homeschool your children or for those people who have multiple children, what do you do with your tax return? The majority of people who have multiple children, especially if they're lower income earners, have a substantial tax return that they receive because of the child income credits. And then Jen has her Christian school red herring, which was she slipped in another part of the diversity argument about Christian schools that came out of desegregation. And the point being, who cares if the Christian school came out of desegregation? Are they still demonstrating ethnic hostility and animosity or vainglory? Are they still acting in, I hate the term racist, but are they still acting in a racist way? Or are they no longer acting like that? And if, if they no longer are, then let's move on. This is it's just a red herring. It's an argument that doesn't answer the question, which is at the heart of the debate, which is should Christian parents send their children to the public schools? And that's a tactic that's employed either consciously or unconsciously by Jen this idea that these other issues that don't really answer the question at the center of the debate, because whether or not a school came out of desegregation is irrelevant. If they're actively attempting to make their school some sort of mono-ethnic conglomerate, then sure, let's address that. But unless they're actively, and let's just say, let's just put it like, like it is, what would actually be negative in the view of our culture. If they're actively trying to make themselves white and nothing but white, okay, let's have that conversation. But if they're not, this is a red herring and doesn't help address the point at hand.
And speaking of the point at hand, let's get to the point at hand. Let's continue on with this good faith debate. Let me make one quick adjustment to the screen and then we should be good to go. All right, so I have shrunk down myself in the box and now you can get a better look at Pennington, Wilkin, and then the moderator. So let us go, let us continue. So both of you have obviously given freedom to make other decisions. You've talked about the variety of factors. You live in a world-class school district. You have a family situation that is conducive for the educational choices that you've chosen. What would be factors, if you were to do it again, that would have caused you to make the opposite decision? All right, so that's an interesting question. So apparently both of the panelists are about to decide what, if anything, what, if any, arguments or circumstances would cause them to do the opposite of what they did. So is there anything that could cause Pennington to have sent his kids to a public school? Was there anything that could have caused Jen to send her kids to a private Christian school? Hopefully Pennington decides to finally hold the line here. We shall see. That's a great question. It is a great question. And I honestly, it's been a while since I've watched this, so I honestly don't remember how they answer it. So this is new to me too, in a sense. Jen. <laughs> Uh, I've asked this having, you know, I have family living in all, all different areas of the country and they face very different considerations in this. As I mentioned, the education piece for us was not a hard question to answer. If I thought they would not actually be able to receive an education in the public schools, then I would absolutely have done what I could to homeschool. One of the things that we discussed on a previous episode in this series was what is education? What is the purpose of education? And Jen has a faulty understanding of what the purpose of education is and a faulty understanding of, well, yeah, just basically what I just said of what education even is and, and what its ends and its goals and its aims ought to even be. And the definition that I landed on that is more or less expressed by classical Christian educators and by historic Christianity in terms of education is that the purpose of an education is to pass on the rich and glorious tradition of the Christian West, of the history of Christianity, and it's spread primarily through the West, of the Christian West, and even going back to the Greeks and the Romans, so the noble and virtuous pagans of the West, to pass that on to the next generation, to enculturate the next generation in this Christian culture and heritage, and to form human souls. That does not happen in the public schools. Human souls aren't being formed, not being formed according to the word of God and the commands of God, and the rich and glorious tradition of the West is not being passed on to the next generation in the public schools. If anything, the West is grossly under attack through things like critical theory, through the LGBTQ plus movement. So her understanding of what an education is is faulty. So she's not going to be able to answer this question properly because she thinks that the, I don't know exactly what she believes the purpose of an education is, if it's to prepare their kids for college, to get a job, or whatever the case may be. But that's a progressive understanding of education, to go to college, to get a degree, to be another cog in the machine, not just the industrial machine, because we moved on from the Industrial Revolution, we're more of a, a digital world now, but be another cog in the machine and get a job and things like that. That's actually not the purpose of education. The, the telos, the primary end or goal of education, is what I mentioned, is enculturating 
children into a Christian culture and the formation of human souls according to biblical wisdom and insight on those matters. Um, I don't know that I would have gone the Christian school route because of the baggage I had around it at the point that my children were of education age. Um, who knows if there would have been a homicide if I had actually homeschooled my kids. Well, the world will never know. But uh, I, I don't think that's funny. Are your kids, I mean, people make jokes like that all the time. Oh, my kids are around all the time. I'm going to kill one of them. I think in my past as a parent, I've made jokes like that. And God forgive me if I continue to make jokes like that. We sh You shouldn't joke about it's not even joking about killing your kids, but it just, the idea, I guess it sounds bad in and of itself, joking about killing your kids, but the whole idea that your kids are this nuisance, that they're this issue, that they're this problem, and you couldn't stand homeschooling them, God gave them to you as gifts to enjoy, and that includes joy through trials, the trials of parenting, so we shouldn't be seeing children as this burden or even joking about them being a burden, the opportunity to educate them is a gift and is a command from God. So I don't find Jen funny here at all. And it, this is sort of indicative of why she sent her kids to the public school. Um, but Apparently I do know that there are um, public school situations that are untenable to put your children into, and I would still say, I would have hoped, we, I, I imagine we would have still tried to support the public schools. I hope we would have convictionally, even if we couldn't put our own children in them. It was interesting, some of the, the teachers that DM'd me in the, in the Instagram story situation, uh, several of them said, I couldn't put my own children in, but I'm teaching in the school system because I want it to be better for my neighbors. Uh, I hope that would have been a position that I could have uh, maintained if we had found ourselves living somewhere where public school was not an option. And there's nothing wrong with Christian educators wanting to teach in a public school in an effort to make a difference in their communities. That can be a high and noble calling where I would exhort a Christian public school teacher would be you, you must draw a hard and fast line at teaching falsehood. So for instance, if you're required to teach transgender ideology within the context of a biology class, you need to be willing to lose your job. You need to be willing to say, no, I'm not going to do that. So, so that would be an example. But by and large, I would agree to an extent with what Jen just said. My hope would be that if she either homeschooled her kids or sent them to a Christian school, that she actually would have put the majority of her efforts not in supporting the local public school, but in her homeschooling efforts or in the Christian school that she ended up sending her kids to. Because that's what you want to do. If you either homeschool your kids or you send them to a Christian school, you want to be sold out to that. There can certainly be a time and a place for involvement in school board meetings running for the school board or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. If you can make a difference and if God has given you that opportunity and that's a desire of your heart, that's not simple. That can be a very good thing. But what you should be mostly and mainly focused on is your children's education and being involved in that. Boy, that I mean, don't you feel the dilemma of that though? Yeah. I mean, I, and again, I respect that as well, but I mean, it seems like that kind of undercuts the vision, like in the sense of, um, if you wouldn't put your own kids in it, how can you be engaged in a positive way still? I guess that's that's one way to frame oh, this question. Okay.
Well, that's not a very difficult question for Jen to answer, especially since I just answered it for her in a way. Just be, man, Pennington. I'm glad that he actually pushed back against her here, but that's an easy question. Jen's probably about, to, if I remember correctly, Jen's about to knock it out of the park because that's just such a softball question. I mean, you can see an issue somewhere, not want your kids involved in it, but still go and be salt and light there and attempt to make a difference. I'm trying to think of a situation off of the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure that we could think of other situations or circumstances where we wouldn't want to send our kids there. So, for instance, I wouldn't want to send my children to fight crime in a large inner city, but I or a hypothetical person may feel called to be a police officer or a detective, to be law enforcement in a particular location like that. They may take their family and live outside of this. They may live in a more rural or suburban area so that their family is safe from that, which would make a lot of sense. But they may go choose to go to work in that environment. There's lots of situations where that would be the case. This is, it's pushback, but it's poor pushback. Lots of ways. Yeah. That, that, I mean, Please, I think that's yeah. a really good practical question. Yeah. 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 That, mm -hmm. I think there are lots of ways. You can still go to school board meetings. That's what you I said. You can still volunteer in the public schools. There's mentoring programs. You can be supportive of the teachers who are in the trenches. When you think about what public school teachers represent in this country, they're often the, uh, they're on the front lines of, you know, uh, when a child reports, they're the first, re they, their mandatory report on all the uh, CPS concerns, um, the function that they perform in our society is valuable and for them to be unsupported is unthinkable to me. And so even if my own children were not able to be in that education space, I would want to do everything within my power to support it and improve it. Because, you know, there have been a lot of studies. But not improve it too much, right, Jen? Not Christianize it. We certainly wouldn't want God there. God still needs to be expelled. We need pluralism. We need a diversity of opinions and ideas and thoughts influencing children. If she really wanted there to be a change in the public schools, if she really wanted that sort of change to take place and the teachers to be supported, then she would want these places Christianized. She would want God invited back into the public school. But she doesn't. And those are her words. That he's done on the impact on a school of if there are just even two involved adults um, who will take interest in what's happening, who are not on staff, and the impact that that has on a public school and a community. And so that has a big impact on a private school as well. So I teach at a private classical Christian school, and parental involvement is huge. We wouldn't be able to run and operate and function the way we do, if at all, if it wasn't for the dozens and dozens and dozens of parental volunteers and support, just alone when it comes to running my basketball team. I coach the junior high boys basketball team. Just the amount of parental support I need just for that individual particular sport to run every year is, is huge. I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have parental support. So, so parental support is important anywhere. Private school, public school, home school, that kind of support's important in any educational endeavor. So um, it just feels like a really easy uh, local missions effort that's right in front of us all the time. All right, you have to answer the same question. Yeah, so the question again being like, what would... If it, what would be, if you went back, what would be circumstances in which you could imagine yourself sending your children to public school? Yeah, I mean, the financial part has been difficult for us, it really has, and and homeschooling made that 
you know, easier, even though there's costs in that involved in terms of buying your own curriculum and we're still paying taxes, you know, and everything. But yeah, private school has been, it has been a challenge on the financial side. So I really feel that. And I'm aware that most people do that. So if that, that makes me, um, you know, have some pause at moments, like, was this the best thing to go kind of feels like backwards financially for 15 years or 20 years? I hope you're about to say yes, because yes, it is. And it, this is a, I don't think he's doing this on purpose, but he's setting up a false dichotomy that is either move forward financially or send your children to the private Christian school slash homeschool them. It's not a false dichotomy. If you budget well, if you're smart with your money, if you live well below your means, if you're not buying a latte every single day, if you're not eating out all the time, if you don't have excessive unnecessary expenses, then it's possible for you to not only homeschool and private school your children or homeschool or private school your children, but it's also possible for you to move forward financially. Um, but I think for us, the the public education system where we've been in for the last 18 years, I would not be comfortable uh, putting our kids in for a number of reasons. And and it feels like it's worse. You know, I don't know if we're just getting older, but no, it, it feels think, like... Yeah, I mean, it, the social risk is a component as well. Yeah. It's not that it's simply worse now, which it is, but another thing that I've said in previous episodes, it's always been bad. It's bad. It's been awful for decades and decades and decades. R.L. Dabney saw this coming back in the later 1800s. He predicted more or less the downgrade in public education. And he predicted this at a time where public schools were, in many ways back then, functionally classical Christian schools. And even he saw this coming. So I'll answer this with more assertiveness than Pennington. Allow me to answer on behalf of Pennington. No. Public schools have been bad for decades and decades, if not 100 years. Under no circumstances would Dr. Pennington send his children to the private. I believe that's what Pennington actually believes. He's just trying to be a nice guy. Jen's his friend. He doesn't want to offend the typical Gospel Coalition listener or reader. But no, he absolutely would not have done something different. Yeah. Be addressed. I mean, like our kids are, you know, 18 to 30 kind of thing, but you think if I had a, and people ask me this all the time too, I had a pastor text me the other day, you know, we have a, you know, whatever it is, kindergartner and, and below, and we want to be a good witness. We want to be engaged in society, but I'm really concerned. And, and I had to say, it does seem that many of the things going on, not everything you hear is true, but many of the things going on in public education in terms of some moral issues feel more extreme than they did even when our kids were little. Um, I don't think that's just um, in our minds. I think it, there have been social changes in a significant way. And, and so I... Sure, and then not only that, but they're not getting an education. So I've, I've already discussed this so far in this video, so I won't beat this dead horse too much, but they're not getting an education, right? Because what's the purpose of education? Passing on the, the Christian West, enculturating children, enculturating the next generation, and forming human souls biblically. And that's not happening at the public schools. So... If I were to be asked to advise somebody, it would be a very easy no. Avoid the public schools at all costs. I think for us, but I guess I need to answer your question. Sorry. Um, I think I would, I think the money, um, if we would have had a better, more comfortable public education system, maybe in a smaller town or something where I was more involved, could have been more involved, um, I think the financial combination with that would have made us more open to, to public schools. Man, 
I'm trying not to lose my cool. Pennington, why are you even here? You just basically conceded the entire debate to Jen, more or less the entire time, and then he just did it right there. He's supposed to be the guy that's, yes, send your children to private Christian schools or give them a Christian homeschooling education. And he just said that if the situation and the circumstances were right, and they never would be because they're not getting an education at the public schools, but he just said if the situation was right, if it was a good school district, if it was a smaller town or a smaller community or whatever the case may be, whatever it was that he just said, that he would be open to it. Okay, if that's your position in terms of just generally speaking, okay, fine. However, I would disagree with it. However, why are you here? You're, you basically just became Jen Wilkin in terms of your position. So apparently you have one side, which is Jen Wilkin, which is, yes, you should, as you should try as hard as you can to send your kids to the public school. And then the other side is, eh, if it's a good situation, I'd consider it. What are we even debating anymore? What are we even debating? Schooling. Although when the kids were really little, homeschooling was so great because, um, our life was more integrated. Like we weren't controlled by a, a schedule outside of ourselves in terms of trips. And and then yours are probably this way too. I mean, our older kids were very young readers. You know, they were reading at four, et cetera, because we worked with them. And it felt like there was a lot of wasted time in any kind of schooling system. I mean, Christian or public in those early years, especially. And it was really just a sweet time to be with them and and uh, really shape them and, and with a lot of freedom that we had uh, to just do our own thing. You know, maybe that sounds selfish or something, but it was, it was really a wonderful time. It's not selfish. You're their father. You're supposed to enjoy them. You're supposed to enjoy those sweet moments. You're supposed to want them with you. Don't get sucked into Jen's mentality where somehow you're selfish if you don't send your children to the public schools. I'm not sure if that point, I remember that coming up at some point in the debate. I'm not sure if that's coming later or that's something that's been said now, but this idea that your children, you're being selfish if you want your children to have a good education. Anyway, and he now he's right that there's a lot of surpo, sur, superfluous, that's the word, superfluous wasting of time that goes on during a school day at a normal day school, but that's a different topic for a different day. Okay, so Pennington just redeemed himself a little bit because unlike Jen, who made the joke, ha ha, I might kill my kids if I homeschooled them, you have Pennington talking about how he loved that time with his kids. It was a very sweet time early on in their lives when they were little and they were growing up. I have four children, six years old and younger. I love the time that I get to spend with them when they're in these little gears. They are very precious. They're very sweet. I will treasure them for the rest of my lives, and I thank God for them. So thank you, Pennington, for having something kind and good and uplifting to say about children. And so I, I would not want to give that up, you know, um, but yeah. It is interesting, neither of you mentioned safety. And so w w mm. with the public school shootings mm. that we read mm. about, is, is, that a, is that a factor in the decision at all? Well, that was all on the table already for my kids. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think part of this conversation, and this relates to the fear-based decision, is to, to have an assumption that there's such, an, such a thing as a safe place to raise your kids. There are always dangers and there are always benefits. There's always a risk and always a reward. 
And if we perceive only reward, then we probably haven't thought about it enough. And if we perceive only risk, then we probably haven't thought about it enough. And we, we understood the, the risks and the rewards of where we were placing our kids in our community at the time that they were. Then you did a really poor risk analysis. You're not, a, you're not good at risk management and you don't understand how to properly weigh that out. So again, something else I believe I've mentioned in a previous episode in this series is it's not fear. You're not being fearful if you assess a threat and then respond to it accordingly. That's just biblical wisdom. The book of Proverbs talks about this, eyeballing a threat, seeing, excuse me, seeing a threat and then responding to it accordingly. When you look at the public schools, you should see a threat to your children, to their physical well-being, their mental well-being, their spiritual well-being, their social well-being. We are told the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. At the public schools, children's hearts, souls, mind, and strength are being catechized in Darwin, Nietzsche, and Freud, and other godless, pagan, wicked influences. And their heart, soul, mind, and strength are not being cultivated by and in a love of God. That's not taking place. So you should look at that threat, assess that threat, and respond accordingly and protect and take care of your children. There's not going to be any completely safe place to raise your children, but there are safer places. This place is safer than that place. This place is better than that place. This place achieves the outcomes and the ends of education better than this place does. So those are all considerations that a wise, godly parent would assess and take into consideration and then execute properly. We're going through as far as, as to the best of our ability. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, you give a 16-year-old a car to drive, you know, and it's risky. So I think um, things like gun violence where it's, you know, I, I can't control that. Um, but then there were all of these other risks that were associated with, you know, like uh, the kids who were in some of the Christian schools in the area where um, the kids that actually had a terrible traumatic thing happen in public school ended up going into that space. And then, you know, you have a peer group of your whole class size is 20 people. And so if it's toxic, there's nowhere to go, you know, whereas in the public school, you know, if your peer group is terrible, you can find another one because you're graduating with a class of a thousand students in our, in our case. And so, um, you know, there are risks to being in a bigger school. There are also rewards. There are risks to being in. She dusts over or she just sort of flies over the risk of public school. Oh, well, there's thousands of people that they're graduating with or hundreds of people that they're graduating with. And if there's a toxic among 20, certainly that can be true. But again, how does this answer whether or not should Christians send their kids to the public school? If that's a bad Christian school with a lot of, with a toxic class, first of all, that's something that can be worked on. A culture can be changed. And it's a lot easier, Jen, to change a culture of 20 than it is to change a culture of 200 or 500 or 1,000 or thousands. It's much easier to maintain and do something that's on a smaller scale, that's on a larger scale, like a public school. So, and she's just is seemingly, oh yeah, it's no big deal. You'll just find another peer group of, of Christians, of healthy Christian influences. You'll just find another one of them. Do these healthy Christian peer groups just simply grow on trees at the public school? So these are the kinds of questions and the kinds of assessments that need to be considered. It's not just as blase 
as Jen's making it out to be here. In a Christian school, there are also rewards. Uh, homeschool situation, you know, I know Jonathan would never say that every homeschool scenario is ideal in the same way that I would not, you know, it's, you know, in some cases it's like, wow, that's really terrible. Someone should intervene. You know? far, fewer and far between than terrible public school situations. And it's not even close. And I'm specifically going to be talking about, well, I think all homeschooling, but specifically Christian homeschooling. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers and the exact data, but I would guess that it's got to be for every one bad homeschooling, Christian homeschooling situation, you're going to find dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds of bad public school situations. You know, but there's not eyes on the situation in the way that there are in other settings. And so uh... the right eyes are on the situation. We don't need the government's eyes on our kids. We don't need the public school's eyes on our kids. In a homeschooling situation, the parents' eyes are on the children. They're the ones who have been given the authority over their children, which I guess is something that, I don't know, does Jen not understand that fully and completely? There doesn't need to be other eyes on the children. The parents' eyes are enough. Those are the God-ordained eyes to be on children. Um, again, it, so much of it comes down to not where are you going to educate your kids, but what kind of a parent are you going to be? Uh, are you going to be a parent who is um, vigilant in the best ways and then open-handed in all of the best ways too? And Another false dichotomy. It's not, it's not, well, it's not about are you gonna, how are you going to educate them, but about the best parents. It's actually about both. It's about being the vigilant, good, best, godly parent, and it's about ensuring that they get the right kind of education and even understanding the purposes of education and what education is. It's both. And so risk is always going to be something that you have to weigh. And people reach different conclusions, which is why we have this conversation yeah. today. Um, and we have to be willing to say they're reaching incorrect and wrong and bad conclusions, conclusions that are not what's best for their children. But we all, I, you know, we all want to be motivated out of love and not fear, um, love for our children, but also with an eye toward what can go wrong. Sure. Do you have anything to say on that? No, I mean, I, yeah, I just agree. Yeah, that, and and bad stuff happens in Christian schools as well, and and in homeschooling situations, bad things happen too. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with that. If I might pivot a little bit, just one of the things I was thinking more about when we enjoyed homeschooling, which we did stop doing because it did become untenable with our three hundred children. It felt like and uh, various things, but. It, one of the things that I did love about it as well is that it enabled us to truly focus on each child's development in a distinct way. And I feel the tension because I do believe in the common good, public education, all the things we agree with. But it was also really wonderful. To of course you do. Of course you believe in the common good of public education, even though it's not actually achieving common good. It's educating children in vice, in godlessness, in paganism, in a thoroughgoing anti-God, anti-Christ worldview. How does that promote the common good? How? To be able to identify gifts and talents in not just a cookie cutter way and to really help children develop. So our fifth kid, for example, 
you know, most kids draw uh, a lot, but we could tell there was something different about his ability. My mom was a painter. My wife's a professional artist as well. So he kind of got the double gene of it, I think. And we were able from a young age to start giving him private art lessons. And now he's, you know, going into oil painting portraiture, you know, and this high end kind of thing that could not have happened in a, in a public education system, just in the sense of like, it would be one class of many and, or it would be some super extracurricular thing that would just add to the stress of life. And so that's one of the things that we really loved about, about the kind of the ability to focus on the development of each individual child, not in a kind of cookie cutter way. I feel the tension again of that versus the common good and, and that, but just was coming to mind as I was reflecting. Your main responsibility is not the common good, it's your children and developing them. That's a primary responsibility. So quit feeling, don't, if you're listening to this, don't feel bad like Dr. Pennington. Don't feel bad that you're giving focus and attention to your children. It's not sinful. It's, it's godly. It's biblical. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Continue to do it. Continue to develop them and these skills and these gifts that God has blessed them with. That'll lead to the common good, by the way, because and then they'll grow up and go out, raise children in the same way that they were raised in this godly way. And these skills and talents and such that they develop, they'll be able to bless the world or their local communities or whatever with them. Back on those early years of homeschooling and how much we enjoyed it. And several, all of our kids are musicians and they were able to spend a lot of time practicing their instruments. Our one thing is that our 16 year olds, once they got that, we were, our deal was you need to start working a job. And for those that were doing like two day week school, which they were at that time, they worked uh, jobs. And that was a way that they Good. were certainly connected to the broader world. Absolutely. And Get them out there working, earning their own money, learning the value of a paycheck, learning how to balance a budget, pay for their own things. That's, amen. Yes and amen. Fantastic. Actually, they worked quite a bit and saved a lot of money for college, the older kids did, because they had the freedom in their schedule to go to school and get their schoolwork done. They did all their schoolwork, but actually work in the workplace. So that, that was a a really nice situation for them that developed and a lot of bad stuff happened. You know, they worked at McDonald's and McAllister's and yeah. yeah. So in terms of like, I mean, Your they learned. cholesterol went up, yeah, yeah, socialization totally. went through the roof. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was crazy. But again, th those are just some of the ways that I would also argue for the good of, if you have the choice, which most people, there are many people don't, but if you have the choice, the ways that you can really develop individual children to be. If people make good life decisions, they will be afforded those choices, but even if they've made poor life decisions, even if they have ended up, because of sexual promiscuity and fornication, ended up fathering or mothering children out of wedlock and are now in a single parent sort of a situation, there are still ways to make it happen. It's not as desperate of a situation as these two are making it out to be the, co the cost issue and having these various things afforded to them. This can be something that's yours, especially if you're young and you make good decisions early. But even if you have made poor decisions, your life is not over and your the ability to give your child the right kind of biblical education has not passed you by. Just how willing are you to work for it, to budget for it, to cut things out of your budget, to any sort of extra income that comes your way, budget it for the children, be willing to ask family or the church for help. It's possible for that kind of education to be yours as well. Be who God's called them to be and then to use those particular gifts and abilities to bless the world. You know, that's how the vision we 
imperfectly, you know, tried to cast for them. So, so he, I don't know if you want to respond. Okay, so we'll go ahead and stop there. So there is seven minutes, okay, six minutes and 51 seconds left in this debate. So next time we'll be able to finish this thing off and I'll be able to move on to talk about some other things that have passed my way that I'm interested in sharing with y'all. Well, thank y'all very much for swinging by and listening to part five of the Gospel Coalition's Good Faith Debate. Should Christians send their children to the public schools? The answer is still no. God bless. We'll see you next time.